Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this, which one are the wolves in sheep's clothing Wednesday episode. We've got a lot of interesting things to cover today. Probably won't get them all in, but it's uh, ranging from housing and wolves and water rights. And we'll start out with the Spokane County Commissioners. Actually, Shannon's got something over there we got to talk about too, a local initiative that's at the state level, right? Talking about strange places. Yeah, we're going to talk about taking initiative. It's coming out of the Spokesman Review from uh, Sulani Madsen. Washington Republicans must take the initiative. Washington state politics has been dominated by Democrats for 30 years. The initiative process is a necessary counterbalance to a one-party rule. It's also a useful get-out-the-vote tool, one that Democrats have used for years. In 2024, Republicans will be wielding the power of the initiative. Supporters of Initiative 2117 to repeal the carbon scheme driving up gas prices have submitted over 420,000 signatures, providing a nice cushion above the 324,516 that were required. The other five initiatives to the legislature are on track to meet the December 29th deadline, said Jim Walsh, chairman of the Washington State Republicans. A packet of initiatives we've talked about in the last few weeks here that if people have signatures on these initiatives, they need to contact Let's Go Washington and get those turned in so that all those signatures of voters that it signed can be counted so then the voters can also see a measure. Either the legislature will pass it, which isn't likely, but then it will end up going to the ballot for the voters to make a decision on them come next election cycle. Putting the initiatives in front of the legislature requires legislators to face their elections and they'll have to go on record on issues voters care about. If the Democrat-controlled legislature punts it to the voters to decide in November 2024, they risk driving turnout higher among conservatives as well as typically centrist Washington voters who identify as fiscally conservative and socially liberal. Well, and that's exactly why they hated advisory votes, because they didn't like to see citizens vote in opposition to what they as the legislature put into place. Exactly. So now they're going to have to face those voters that want these initiatives passed. But the reason the initiatives have to be done is because the legislature put things into place like the carbon tax scheme that raised our gas taxes and the cost of everything uh, that we do. And and so they, they really don't like the citizens initiative process. And it's over the years, they've been doing everything they can to try to diminish our ability to do these initiatives, changing the rules and going after sponsors of initiatives. And we kind of see something happening locally. We talked about the taxes on all the, you know, the schools, the property taxes, the parks, all these things. And it's interesting to watch politicians react. Well, the city of Spokane, the election was over. The city of Spokane residents said that they wanted law enforcement to keep homeless encampments away from schools, daycares, and parks, but they didn't vote to pass a jail tax, right? Right. A sales tax to pay for a jail. 
So interestingly enough, that was a countywide vote. The county commission, Spokane County commissioners, voted to not increase property tax. So obviously they, as politicians, were listening to the voters. Their voters don't want another tax. And, of course, we see these school districts. There's so many taxes getting raised everywhere that we hear politicians talk about affordable housing, but government keeps on cranking up the cost of living because of not just regulation, but taxation in every corner of our lives that government touches, the taxes are up. And that's what some of those initiatives dealt with. The other three initiatives would amend the long-term care tax, repeal the capital gains tax, and make it clear for the 11th time that Washington voters do not want an income tax. Right. We're taxed enough already. So the county commissioners voted to not take that 1% increase in the property tax, which is also, I mean, it's not a lot, a 1%. But the voters denied a 0.02% increase in the sales tax. So voters, I think, are just fed up with the taxes and the cost of living. And in the spokesman reviews, uh, what, a week ago, Sunday paper, obviously made that that point. Now, the 1% tax, countywide, they would have collected an additional $638,000 in 2024, and the county is expecting to bring in $61 million in property taxes uh, next year. And uh, the overall budget's likely to exceed $900 million. And uh, the, the city council here in the city of Spokane just approved a budget for the city of Spokane at $1.2 billion. A lot more than the, uh, the overall budget for the county at $900 million as reported by the spokesman review but there was a few county commissioners that wanted to raise taxes of course it was the two newly elected democrats on the two new seats created by the redistricting and uh, adding two county commission seats those two democrats voted to increase the tax i don't know how they can keep increasing taxes everywhere with all of the things you know we've got Interesting thing, the Parks Board wants to put a tax on for parks and libraries. City Council's going to have to figure out how to navigate that because the voters are just sick of all these tax increases. Uh, Interesting thing in that same newspaper having to do with the county commissioner's vote on the property taxes was Riverfront Park. Thinking about taxes and the park tax coming up. The Stepwell Art is a structure that uh, they fenced off downtown riverfront park and i thought the structure i guess it's art kind of looks ridiculous if i mean i don't know if it to me it looked like a liability like a staircase to nowhere like stairs are already a liability landscaping and things you want to probably try to avoid stairs because people get injured on stairs more likely than they do on pathways but they just added a staircase on flat ground for no reason but they had to close it down because of graffiti. How much money did we spend on that art? Now we're spending money on fencing it off. I think that our city parks, we got some great city parks, but there's been some very poor use of the tax dollars that they've received. And uh, I don't know that the voters are going to approve another addition to the park tax after they go down and see a fence around a stairwell to nowhere. Well, and I'm wondering how many fences are we going to start putting up around the areas of town that are being graffitied? Because, you know, we have the new overpass uh, in Hilliard that is beautifully done. However, it gets tagged a lot. 
We have the new underpass. Oh, all um, that new concrete. On Euclid, where yeah. we have the beautiful horses and, you know, there's some artwork there that's that's actual artwork. Oh, we spend a ton of money. it gets tagged yeah. daily. We spend a ton of money on the concrete to have, uh, you know, different kinds of designs put into. And, and this is an expensive thing. This isn't easy to make the concrete have shapes inside of the concrete you know, like fish and horses and the different things to make it decorative. And then, of course, it just gets refitied. We're spending a ton of money to make it look nice, and then the punks come around and, and they ruin it. But how much money do we got to spend on uh, fencing it off, though? So are we going to fence off everything that's made of concrete because of graffiti artists? Now, maybe some people like the Stepwell art. I don't know. I think it looks like a ridiculous stairway to nowhere, just a liability for the Parks Department. That's just me. But now it's fenced. I think we've got to start putting our local dollars to things that, that Enforcement. matter. That matter. Yeah, because we're paying. Let's all have these. penalties for the people that are spray painting all over the stuff we already paid for. Well, except for the citizens didn't vote to have a jail added to deal with habitual criminals. And destruction well, maybe those of ones don't need to go to jail. Property. They just need to do community service. They need to go wash the spray paint off the well, things but, that they deface. But those things are also part of a corrections plan. So you got to have somebody manage the program for these people to suffer consequences. You have to have somebody following up to court orders for these people. Did they do community service? Did they clean up graffiti? All of that stuff costs money. So... You know, we've got to look at, okay, the taxpayers are tired of all these taxes that they're paying, but they want more public service when it comes to policing. So if we want government to do it, we have to pay for it. But government does so many things that we're paying for that we don't want done. I think there's a lot of voters out there that are just, no, they get enough of our money. Their budgets have grown. When you talk about increasing property taxes, they increase our property taxes based upon the home values, right? The cost of living, the home values. And we have governments all over the place at the state level, the schools, the parks, the city, all sorts of different levels of government that's demanding and asking for more money. But there's a, another interesting article about home building politics. This article is really about states that are seeing huge growth in permits for housing. And it says those states with the most housing growth, like Idaho, are also states that tend to vote conservative. Well, what's interesting about that is that we're seeing property taxes increase in the blue states that aren't building as much housing versus the size of its population. It says uh, in this article, shouldn't the United States really be building more housing? Home prices keep skyrocketing, even though the Federal Reserve has hiked interest rates repeatedly. The average monthly mortgage payment has soared from $1,853 two years ago to $2,951 today. So from $1,850 to $2,950, that's huge. That's a huge cost for housing. And of course, one of the big beneficiaries of the valuations, the value of the property being so high is local governments and state government because of that tax revenue that comes in. And of course, on the county commissioner vote, Al French was pointing it out that if you have a growing community and there's real estate being developed, you don't need to increase the taxes because you're 
tax base has grown. But they do. On Monday, the city council was taking up the uh, shelter contract, which is asking for uh, the next four months because, you know, the shelter contract ends in December. Which is a bad time. Which is a bad time. So now they're saying, oh, we either need to approve this or we need to shut it down. And the required money is $3.9 million more for a four-month period. $3.9 million for four months for for the homeless contract because it's cold outside and they want to make Otherwise, sure that they've got Otherwise, it's going to close on January 1st. An emergency shelter. Well, they, of course, they paint themselves, the politicians and the bureaucrats paint themselves in a corner on purpose because then they have to say, well, we had to act because if people are going to freeze to death out on the streets, uh, we don't want to see that. And we also don't want to be sued because, of course, with court cases in the past, needing uh, cities needing to provide a certain amount of beds before they take any other action on individuals that are in encampments, they're going to end up getting sued. So that that's the other thing. So they're painted in the corner. So, of course, the money's just going to be spent. Emergency management continues to cost us a fortune, and governments continue to ask us for more money. And your taxes are going to continue going up because the money's got to come from somewhere. But I think the voters are starting to see that the only thing that you can do is deny them more tax dollars. So I think we're going to see a trend of voters saying no to these tax increases that are put on the ballot. We got to take a break. We're going to be right back, talk about some more things. Don't go anywhere. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this city, county, taxes, state, Snake River Dams, Wolves Wednesday episode. And I wonder which ones are the wolves? in sheep clothing you know it's really hard to tell these days we see people with great intentions and of course the road to hell was paved with good intentions so which ones with good intentions are the wolves in sheep's clothing now there was a story just after thanksgiving about a group asking Inslee to order new wolf rules I've always thought it was a bad idea to reintroduce the wolves. It was a predator that has been taken down because, you know, people want food. People want to feed other people, and we call them farmers and ranchers. And so the wolves were uh, not really helping farmers and ranchers produce livestock. And so because of all the livestock predations, there's been a number of wolves that have been shot Uh, the Center for Biological Diversity, Washington Wildlife First, and nine other organizations filed an appeal to Jay Inslee a couple weeks ago asking him to direct Washington Fish and Wildlife Commission to rewrite new rules that further limit the killing of wolves that attack livestock. So there's a rule right now that is called caught in the act, and landowners can kill if they're caught in the act of killing domestic animals and they want to see that rule changed and uh, they just basically want rural Washingtonians to put up with the packs moving on to their private lands and killing their livestock. I think it's ridiculous but it was our state government that spent tens of millions of dollars introducing these wolves. According to the Department of Fish and Wildlife the most recent count is 216 wolves across 37 packs the state itself has been engaged in killing problem wolf packs. And these wolves are obviously growing in numbers, and it's costing us more and more money as state taxpayers. 
to pay to monitor the wolves, to pay to kill problem wolves, to pay to relocate wolf packs. This is why the taxpayers, going back to the first half, this is why the taxpayers don't want to pay more taxes because our government will spend tens of millions of dollars on wild dogs that most of Washington residents probably don't care if those wild dogs are in our state or not. I know that they want to pay less at the supermarket for beef, but if farmers are losing cattle because calves are getting attacked by wolves, I think that there could be an argument that the voters are sick of government programs that are pushed by little special interest groups to put predators back into the fields with the livestock that we'd like to put on the dinner table. Well, it's just going to make our food prices go up. Well, our, again, it's, it's making our food prices also go up because uh, we're paying some carbon tax scheme to the state government when our food is all shipped by truck, too. So, yeah, I, I just see a government that is unaware of its own actions and how much it costs. And I think I see citizens becoming more aware of how incompetent and wasteful government has become because they have such large budgets ah, and they call it budget dust. Ah, it's just another, you know, hundred or million, 200 million, whatever. It makes our donors happy. It makes those people happy. Give it. So they're taking from the public, from the public trough, the tax dollars to make people happy in this area, that area, the other area, but they can't get criminal justice, right? They can't do basic things that government is expected to do. There's an interesting article also that came out a couple of weeks ago in the Spokesman Review about, and it's interesting, they called the article Further Review. It was November 28th newspaper, and it says, hands off. And I thought it was an interesting article. Shannon, you actually brought it to my attention. And did you look at the map pretty closely on that article? I did. And it, and it kind of went through all of the different, uh, you know, little countries and regions and independence from Europe, right? This was, right. Uh, you know, basically the the Americas. And it was, guess what? It, it, we got to think about this. We're, we're, we no longer have Columbus Day. We're thinking maybe Thanksgiving is next because of the colonizers, right? Right. Well, it was actually the so-called colonizers in the United States that fought wars with the actual colonizers over in Europe to stop colonizing regions in the Americas. 200 years ago, Saturday, obviously Saturday, the just after Thanksgiving, just President James Monroe issued a warning to the powers of Europe. Any further attempts to colonize or interfere in the Americas will be considered an act of aggression, but basically an act of war. So it was America that has backed up the stoppage of colonization. So all of the wokeness about the colonizers, America globally has been the number one advocate for not colonizing, for the interests of countries to govern themselves. Of course, there's the bad stuff with, you know, the intelligence agencies in America doing regime changes and inserting itself into into politics. So so we haven't got to the the dams yet. So the Snake River dams, there was a leaked proposal and agreement between the tribes and advocates for salmon and uh, steelhead 
fishing and, and recreation to tear out the dams and build other electrical infrastructure. And it was kind of bizarre because it was not that long ago I heard, I think it was a Glenn Beck program where he had talked about the removal of the dams. And uh, we've had a, a local guy on the show who was a retired employee of the Department of Fish and Wildlife. And we see this group of plans coming together where they want to get rid of the Snake River dams, but they also have a plan to depopulate the center portion of the country here where they want to have wildlife reserves. Maybe the wolves we were talking about is part of that plan because then you're going to have the wolf predation areas, you got the bears, and then they want more elk herds, but they don't want any population. So I suppose a good way to depopulate the region of eastern Washington, eastern Oregon, most of Idaho, part of Montana, up into Canada, this whole area they'd like to have depopulated, the Department of Fish and Wildlife, I think also working with you know, climate change and the UN and all of that. I guess getting rid of the dams that help distribute all the water and create power and energy for jobs and commerce, that's a good way to, to, to start depopulating the area, isn't it? I suppose it would be, but isn't it getting rid of the cleanest producer of energy that we have? Well, I think political agendas mean more than clean energy because here's the other interesting thing. While, yes, California and, you know, other states that are, you know, pushing this clean energy, green economy, that kind of thing, they actually consider hydropower a renewable energy, whereas Washington state does not consider hydropower renewable energy, which is why we have to build all these solar farms and these uh, wind turbine farms because the state governments told our power companies that they have to create, I think it's 15% of their energy by certain timelines with renewable energy. Well, if they considered hydropower renewable energy, they'd be way past that already. So they had to uh, take that out of the equation. But also, if this was also all part of the plan all along to get rid of the the dams and they're talking about some snake river dams but who says that doesn't start creeping into other dams and other this would set a precedent if this was a an agreement between these environmental groups and tribes to get rid of these dams on the snake river who's to say that these same groups wouldn't go after the dams in the rest of the state or the rest of the region well, and I think our own Kathy McMorris Rogers is trying to um, answer questions just like that one. Uh, she has joined a couple other representatives to ask President Biden for additional information on the package of actions and commitments the United States government negotiated with plaintiffs, states, and the tribes in the ongoing litigation over the Columbia River system operations. So I think our community should probably hear what happens to be in those documents. Well, because they're making deals based upon litigation that started even back into the Trump administration where the special interest groups want the salmon runs, they, they want the, the steelhead, and, and it's a political-driven agenda. Now, of course, there's some outdoor people, some fishermen that would like to have more of those kinds of fish in the rivers, but having more of those fish in the rivers is probably not a good trade-off for impoverished communities. And what, 
one of the things Glenn Beck said in his show, which I'd love to contact him and talk to, to him more about it because he just barely touched on the issue, was that there's going to be small towns in rural Washington that just dry up and blow away if you lose the lower cost energy from a hydroelectric and you lose the the dams from the system for water supplies to farmers and all sorts of different resources. So um, I think it's going to be a broader discussion in the future, and we definitely don't want the federal government or other entities messing with our power supplies, our uh, farmers' access to water uh, until the, the conversation is more broadly understood, not just meetings, backdoor meetings with the Biden administration. I no longer think that our government is looking out for our best interests. Yeah, get electric cars. Oh, tear out hydroelectric dams. Uh, what? Those two things don't go together. There's way too many things that don't coincide with reality when you put them together that our government is doing. It's almost like they're intentionally trying to implode our civilization. Now, I don't think it's going to get too crazy right away, but I sure hope that uh, election results in the next election cycle don't go as poorly as some of the ones this last election cycle. Otherwise, we're just out for more insane policy. So I just want to use this as an example. We talk about human trafficking. We talk about the depravity of, of you know crimes against children. And we see governments arguing over the rights of children, the rights of states to do certain things. And there was an article, again, this was uh, just a week or two ago, and it was boyfriend criminally charged for teen's abortion. And there's advocates that are saying that the boyfriend shouldn't be criminally charged for the teen's abortion. And they're basically going after the state of Idaho because on May 18th, the pregnant 15-year-old Idaho girl joined her... 18-year-old boyfriend and his mother in a rental car. They took an eight-and-a-half-hour drive to Bend, Oregon, where Bend Plant Parenthood Clinic did an abortion. And so I'm thinking about this. So apparently before the abortion took place, the girl wanted to keep the baby. But I also see this issue of this is a minor child, and the parents weren't contacted. This is a minor child a 15-year-old whose boyfriend is 18 years old, isn't there maybe a crime there before there was even a pregnancy? Especially since the mother rented a car and escorted them both to Oregon in order to have the procedure done. Yeah, taking a minor. So it's kidnapping. Across state lines. So it's a kidnapping charge that's being used here. And basically the the pro-abortion advocates are angry about this issue because of the the state law that Idaho put into place on abortion because that you're not supposed to transport and travel for abortions. But this wasn't even a case on that. This was a case that was on kidnapping charges tied to trafficking laws is what the officials are saying. And I'm looking at this as the insanity that we should be laying this out. So should an 15 adult... 15 and 18. There we go. Should There's, an adult... It's laid out be able to impregnate a minor and then have two adults, the adult and their mother, take them to a different state to have an abortion. I think there's a whole lot of problems that happened in that process before we say, oh, well, the law shouldn't go this way or that way. Wait a minute. Where's the law protecting minors? Where's the law that was protecting this 15-year-old 
before she was kidnapped, before there was abortion, how about the age difference between them? And apparently uh, the parents had no idea that this child was being transported for the abortion. And she was coerced in having the abortion because initially when she found out she was pregnant, she wanted to keep the child. So I think that these abortion advocates are way outside of where I think most people are comfortable with the law for one, but definitely outside of the discretion of past lawmakers who said, well, there is a age of consent and there's legal thing. We're just going down the road now where basically human trafficking can occur and people can be transported across state lines to get rid of the evidence. And coerced or bullied. She didn't even have a chance, it sounds like, from the article to even speak to her parents about what was going on. Or how about, it? say, oh, it's between the woman and a doctor. What, did she get to talk to her family doctor? It sounds like she was just uh, taken across state lines for an abortion and they're using a kidnapping charge. I think that there should be more that Idaho state lawmakers do on this one. But of course, we're in the state of Washington where it would be a similar case where people are transporting children to Washington for abortions without their parents knowing. And it will be our state government that is uh, advocating and taking legal case to uh, allow that behavior to go on. So human trafficking being supported by the radical leftists. Which ones are the wolves in sheep clothing? It's hard to tell today, but it seems like there's herds of sheep and too many wolves. All that being said, we'll be back with you folks again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.